0: This Claves Online exclusive podcast is brought to you by Fast Eddie's Bonaire, powered by Ameren, Illinois. Hey, Mike Claiborne here. And by the way, thanks for listening to ClavesOnline.com. Before we go any further, coming up next, I want to introduce you to one of my friends from Ameren, Illinois. He's the vice president of gas operations. He is Eric Kozak. That's right. They're not just an electric company. They're also a gas delivery provider. Now, when you talk about, smelling and locating gas and the potential for you to have a problem, what are some of the problems and some of the issues a customer could have aside from as the eventual perhaps an explosion of some sort? So what are some of the other concerns you try and maintain?
1: Yeah, so our number one concern is uh, calling 811 before you dig. 811 is a national number. People will come out and they will mark the lines for you and let you know where your gas service is. So if you're putting in a basketball hoop or you're putting in a bush. Call 811 because if you don't call 811, you might have to call (laughs) 911. And we want to prevent that call, so that's the main issue: is people calling 811 before you dig, so you know where the pipelines are in the ground. Is there a charge for that? There's no charge for (laughs) 811. In a
0: situation where you're going to do some work, as you mentioned, how deep do you have to go before you would hit a gas line?
1: You know, I if you're sticking in a shovel in the ground, you should call 811. You know, we don't, uh, you know, we put our uh, pipes in, you know, 24 inches for service and 30 inches, but landscape change over time. You know, different things happen. You don't know what the previous homeowner did. He might have took a bunch of dirt off. So if you're going to stick a shovel in the ground, you need to call 811 before you dig. And I just want people to know that, you know, natural gas is a clean, reliable, safe fuel. But like any source of energy, it can be dangerous. So if you do smell gas, you know, pick up the phone and call us. We respond 24-7, seven days a week, no charge, ever. And we respond on average within 22 minutes. Over 33,000 calls a year we get, and our average response time is around 22 minutes. And I think that's pretty good. I think it's impressive. So that's that's the main thing is, and have your equipment checked out, and it's a wonderful product you can use for many, many years worry-free.
0: Hello, everyone. Mike Claiborne here, and we have a chance to talk a little bit about what's going on in our world today, certainly coronavirus and a number of other things when it comes to professional and amateur sports. Dr. Rick Gleeman is my guest, and we have so many things to talk about, so we'll jump right into it. Uh, first of all, Rick, it's good to visit with you. Secondly, coronavirus from where you sit and your thoughts on it being in the medical industry.
2: You know, it's interesting. From a, from a physician standpoint of view, I think the coronavirus is no different than really any of the other viruses, influenza A, influenza B, and certainly not nearly as problematic as the Spanish flu was, as H1N1 was in 2009. But I think it's turned the medical community and the country in general, like you said, on a tear. There's so much panic. There's so much fear. And quite honestly, I think if you get coronavirus, everybody should relax. You're going to get over it. Very few people are really having that tough a time with it as it compares to the general flu. Now,
0: with that said, uh, there's just so much data coming in, some of it reasonably accurate, some of it more rumor. What are some of the things that you, from what you've been able to to disseminate, that you think are actual facts that we need to pay attention to here? Because there's a lot of rumors rolling around that we find later that may not be true.
2: Correct, correct. I think the Two or three very, very salient points. Number one, most of the people who get the coronavirus, six out of seven, are going to be asymptomatic. And that's good and it's bad. It's good because you're not sick. It's bad because you don't really feel sick, but you're able to the virus on to family members, friends, etc. So you're contagious, but you feel fine. Six out of seven, that's a pretty strong number. That's from Johns Hopkins, who has studied this very, very thoroughly. Number two... So when we look at the Italian population, they've had a particularly tough time with this. And most of that is because high incidence of smokers, high incidence of asthma, a lot of respiratory disease. So if you're someone who is immunocompromised, you've been on cancer drugs, or you have a suppressed immune system, or you're a smoker, or you have asthma, you truly are at risk. But if you're otherwise healthy, you're in pretty good shape, you don't really have problems breathing in general. I think the risk is really not any more than getting the regular flu, and maybe even a little less. So those, are, so those are the two big issues. It's going to be very contagious among people that are asymptomatic, people that are fine, and if you're elderly or sick, you know you totally are at risk. So for those people that are home listening to this podcast, if you're somebody who generally you're on cancer medication, or HIV you've had a long history of pulmonary disease, you're a smoker, you need to follow every single one of these precautions. You need to stay at home, you need to avoid large crowds, et cetera. If you're otherwise healthy, I think your risk is very low.
0: All right, let's talk a little bit about the athlete and and what happens now because, you know, all the professional and amateur teams and leagues have shut down. Uh, One of the things I've noticed, there's been no real direction on how if you're in spring training, how you stay in shape. And let's just even look at people, just a common person, they can't even go to a gym. So how are people going to maintain some sort of physical fitness when they don't have the facilities and the equipment that they've been accustomed to using? And how are they going to make sure that when this is over with, they don't have a situation where they've gained 30 or 40 pounds? Because, you know, when you sit around and eat and drink with nothing to do, bad things can happen.
2: Well, I, I agree with all those points. So I think the safest place to be right now is out there by yourself, out there being outside by yourself. So you don't, you don't want to be in groups of 10 or more, whatever the number you, that you're going to pertain to. But in general, you can go out for a walk. You can jog. So you go to the park, there's a few people walking. Your social distancing is fine. You can go to some of these obstacle courses, lots of them in lots of parks throughout the, our country. You can jog. You can bike. So most of the things you want to do during this time is you want to be outside. You want to be either with you know, your friend or your loved one or whoever, but you want to be away from crowds. You want to be appropriately distanced, and that's the safest thing you can do. And I couldn't agree more. I think if everyone's going to sit home, no sports, no nothing going on with a deck of cards, everyone's going to gain, like you <laughs> said, 30 pounds. I mean, that that's just going to happen. But
0: they might so be better at gin, though, when this is over with.
2: They'll be awesome. If gym <laughs> poker You don't want to play them after that. But during it, you know, they're going to get big. Now, I think the professional athlete has a little bit of a different situation. If they mostly proprietary, are going to have places to go, you know, workout facilities, et cetera. They're going to be well clean. There's not going to be many people in them. Most gyms are closed, and they might have the ability to get into a gym where really no one else is working out. I mean, I know I have that luxury. You probably have that luxury. So those situations are... Uh, are are a little bit different. But I think even for the professional athletes, they need to get outside. You know, They need to work on their plyos. But if I go to a park and there's no one outside and virtually no one is doing anything, I mean, you you know, on the streets, traffic is very, very slow. Um, Restaurants closed. Everything's closed. So generally, if you're outside jogging, walking, working out, you know, you have that to yourself. And I think I would encourage everyone to get outside, especially as the weather gets a little bit better. And really, really watch your diet you know you hit it on the head, watch the calories you're eating at home, throughout all your junk food, throw all your soda, try to eat as healthy as you can because you're going to have a tendency to eat more when you're bored
0: you know it, it, as you mentioned that uh, everybody's done the grocery shopping thing, and I made a list of things that I wasn't going to buy because of that very reason and if you it's hard to eat it if you don't have it. And and I think that my list was one that was made up of the things that I didn't want to have in the house because I didn't want to be tempted. Is that a good way to go? Because you know, the, the essentials, we already know what the essentials are going to be, but the other things that really crop into play are the ones that can do the real damage.
2: You know, and I think that is an excellent plan. I've not heard that plan before, and I love that plan. And that plan is just like you said, write down all the stuff, you know, the Doritos and all the stuff that you're not going to buy and, and. Of the things that you know are healthy, and the other thing I tell people, and my patients have heard this over and over again, you know, unfortunately, you need to make a log. So if you're worried about eating too much, you know, be honest with yourself. Don't leave out lunch, the, the six things of ice cream you ate, but write down everything that you you ate, and and you put a little calorie number by it, and you just make sure if you're twenty one hundred calories, twenty two hundred calories, you stick to that diet. And if you get out and you walk for half an hour, an hour, just a brisk walk, most people are not going to gain weight. Now, if you buy a whole bunch of stuff because you need some comfort food and you're going to watch, you know, 23 episodes, you know, of Breaking Bad, then, yes, you're going to get yourself into trouble.
0: So what is a good comfort food uh, if you're going to be sitting around? What are some of the things that are going to help you compared to hurt you at this point?
2: So you got a couple couple of ways to go here. One way to go is to get popcorn, not not microwave popcorn. You get a bag of popcorn. It costs about $2. That's enough for about a year. I mean, mm-hmm. this stuff's very inexpensive. You put it at the bottom of your biggest pan. You put a little oil on it. You pop some popcorn. And you're talking about virtually no calories. So that's a, a good thing to eat late at night when you have to eat something, a little bit of crunch, put some salt on it. Very, very healthy.
0: Can I throw a little you, butter on there as well, just to make sure that I'm going to eat it all?
2: You, the butter's perfect. A okay. little butter's not going to hurt you.
0: I, I may go a, lot, a little, a little bit more than a little, but I, I'll figure it out. I'll create some balance somewhere along the way.
2: And you know, the butter's got a little protein in it, so that hey, there you run. go,
0: there you go. See, now I'm feeling healthy already about this. This is good. This, this, this
2: <laughs> and is you're, good. you're looking better. There you go.
0: All right, so. The little things you can do around the house. Um, yeah, I always talk about taking the stairs. You mentioned a, br- a brisk walk. So, what's a good pace for a walk? Because I've seen some people who walk the the pace of a turtle, and then I see other people who are one one beat away from in, being into a full jog. So, what's a good pace?
2: So, so when when you're walking, and and everyone's a little different. So, some people are going to walk fast because they're in better shape. Some people are going to walk slow. But you should be just on the border of not being able to talk so you could talk but it almost be a little bit of a effort to talk so when you're walking by yourself or you're walking with somebody if you're having a full-on conversation you're walking too slow and if you're totally out of breath you're probably trying to push it a little bit too much although if you're going to cheat you want to cheat by pushing it too much but you should be on just the border of not being able to have a comfortable conversation, and that's the pace you want to walk.
0: What's a good uh, time frame? Uh, what is a fifteen-minute mile? Would that be something that's acceptable, or do you want to get it under a certain number in order to feel like you've gotten some, gotten accomplished some things along the way?
2: Yeah. So if you can walk four, that's four miles in an hour. So so you want if you can walk four miles in an hour. So a fifteen-minute mile um, is is great. I mean, if you can do that. Fourteen to fifteen minute mile, and and what you need to do is you need to pick a distance. So let's say you pick a distance of two miles. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is you want to beat. So you you know you look at your watch. You walk for two miles. It took you thirty minutes. The next day you want to try to do it in twenty nine and a half minutes. So you want to you don't want to just go out and walk. You want to have a purpose, and and you want to have a fitness level. And what you're going to try to do is every time you walk, whether you beat it by ten seconds or two seconds or whatever. You want to beat your previous time, and that's going to kind of give you a goal. We,
0: we talk about working out and trying to find things to do. What are some of the things you can do at home to just make sure you're having some sort of physical exercise? I mean, push-ups and things of that nature, the old school stuff. What are some of the things you would recommend that will certainly keep a person reasonably toned and make them feel like they're accomplishing something for the day?
2: So what I tell people, and I think this is a good rule, there's a couple things you can do. What I tell people is go on YouTube and you push 20-minute workout, 30-minute workout. Now, you can buy some tapes, Insanity. There's a million tapes out there. Uh, Timmy Horton's got a whole bunch. Beast Body have a whole bunch. But for free, you can go on the Internet or you can go on any device you have and you can get a 30-minute workout, a 40-minute workout, and those are going to be wall sits. Those are going to be mountain climbers. Those are going to be, like you said, push-ups. Those are going to be sit-ups. And it's going to be a pretty brisk. If you, if you follow that, that regimen on your phone or on your iPad or whatever, and you do the exercises, they tell you to do the exercises, A, you're going to be in shape. B, you're going to be gassed in about 10 minutes. You're not going to believe how out of shape you are because it's hard to follow those exercises. And if you do that every day, and you know they're going to have one for your legs, one for your upper body, and there's certainly no shortage on YouTube of good weight-restricted exercises. So your body weight exercises, weight-restricted exercises, they're safe, and you just follow those. And there's a, there's also if you're looking for a category, exercises called HIT exercises, high intensity training, and again, same thing. It's a little rough. When you first start it, you're going to be like, wow, you know, that Dr. Lehman's an yeah, idiot. I'm, this a, is, I'm going to stop listening a, to this
0: guy. He's going to get me killed here. <laughs> hey,
2: exactly. Know,
0: speaking of that, because parents listen to this as well, and, and there's going to be a lot of bonding time, I guess, for parents and their kids. Do parents need to have a sit down with their kids and kind of maybe sculpture some sort of reasonable plan? Not that they're training to join the Marine Corps or anything like that, but something that – parents can help monitor, especially if you're an athlete, because they're going to be on ice for a while. And you see a lot of parents, you see a lot of kids in your practice. So should they have a conversation about some sort of informal game plan or how they're going to weather this?
2: I think they should. And I think they should have a game plan about time, time management in general. I mean, it's just a foot of the day around looking at your phone, looking at whatever you look at, playing a bunch of video games. So, what I would tell parents is: look, put aside an hour, hour and fifteen minutes for reading. Put a put aside an hour, hour and a half, once or twice a day for just a little bit of exercise. Go for a walk for an hour. Say, hey, we're going to do these exercises uh, together, or you know, I'm going to we're going to hang out. We're going to do these, play this game, or do these exercises, and try to manage that time usefully as opposed to just wasting the time all day. Because it's going to be easy over the next you know four to six weeks to sit around. Everyone's bored. And you get back to eating, and most kids are going to play video games all day and not do anything else. So the parents need, like you said, have a little sit down and say, look, this is our time management. This is what we're going to do. We're going to include a little bit of workout, a little bit of reading. We're going to go for a nice walk. And and use that time productively because you're going to have plenty of it.
0: Final question for Dr. Rick. What's the one bit of advice that's consistent for everybody, whether They are exposed to the virus, or they want to make sure they stay away from it. How are they? What's the one thing they're going to need to do in order to maintain sanity for the foreseeable future?
2: Well, first of all, I think everybody has to know we're going to get through this. I mean, this is not the end of the world. This isn't the last virus. It's not. There's been plenty before it. There's going to be plenty after it. So that's the first thing. And I think to maintain sanity, I think you have to have a clear understanding of of how this always goes and how this always goes is viruses die in the summer and viruses are bad in the winter and a little bit bad in the spring so as it gets warmer regardless of anything anybody tells you this virus is going to go away because viruses go away in the summer and if you keep that horizon in mind it's going to be a lot easier to get through this
0: the doctors in the house he is dr rick lehman (laughs) as always sir it's great to visit with you i feel like i'm a little smarter and now that i I've gotten you're okay, that my, my eating process and what I'm shopping for may work. i even feel better. I think I'll go out and have uh, something healthy now. <laughs> I, I just don't know what it's going to be. What, what, let me ask you this, You know, and I said this is my last question. I can sip on a little wine along the way during this ordeal, right?
2: I, I think that's the healthiest you, thing you can do. So for parents out there, you know, you're stressed, you know, maybe you're out of work for a little bit. Etc. cetera, have a little wine, drink a little, you know, don't get crazy, but it's going to relax you. It's going to take some of the tension off. So I think having a drink with dinner at night is probably the most healthy thing you can do, especially in times like this where there's uncertainty. So I, I would, I would heed that from everybody.
0: One drink at dinner and maybe one uh, a little later after dinner, and then we'll see where it goes from there. I like it. I love it. I love it, sir. Hey, thank you as always. And we'll be doing this again. For Dr. Rick Lehman, I'm Mike Claiborne. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Mike Claiborne, and thanks for listening to ClavesOnline.com. And before we go any further, I'd like for you to take a listen to one of my friends from Ameren, Illinois. He's their vice president of gas operations, Eric Kozak. That's right. I said gas operations because they're more than just an electric company. When you think about electricity and natural gas, how many natural gas
1: customers do you have in the state 816, of 816,000 gas customers in the state of Illinois that we serve. That's so. a big number. It is. It's a, it's a big number and big responsibility. You know, we don't take that lightly and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a privilege to serve the customers in the state of Illinois and, our, and me and my co-workers, you know, we take that very seriously. So if you think about the state of Illinois, anything but pretty much Chicago and the Chicago suburbs is served by Ameren, Illinois. And so our service territory is actually uh, 44,000 square miles It's bigger than the state of Indiana.
0: That's a lot of coverage, and so when you think about coverage and we think about sources of energy, most people think of Ameren, Illinois for electricity, but natural gas is a major player in what you do.
1: Yes, it is, uh, Mike. Uh, you know, natural gas, we, you know, like you said, Ameren, a lot of people think electricity, But Ameren, Illinois, is made up of three companies that all had natural gas before, and those combined companies are a top 25 gas utility in the nation. We have over 18,000 miles of pipeline throughout the state, 12 uh, storage fields, and uh, 1,250 miles of transmission lines that serve our customers.
0: That's that's a lot of property and a lot of coverage, so give me some of the uses for natural gas and some of the things it's being used for other than maybe being on a gas grill.
1: Yeah, so I, you know, the easiest way for me to describe that is, uh, you know, I built a house about 10-12 years ago. So I have a gas furnace, I have a, that heats my home obviously, I have a gas water heater, I have a natural gas dryer, I have a gas stove for cooking my food and oven. I also have a gas uh, fireplace which also serves as a little furnace for my living room. And I have a gas grill, as you mentioned, for cooking my food. So I got six appliances in my house that run on natural gas. So you're covered with gas, or in this case, cooking with gas? Yeah, I'm cooking with with gas, right.